Hello, friends, enemies, and frenemies. Welcome to another Unsanctioned Citizen Saturday here in Austin, Texas. I think this is going to be a might perspective oriented because <clears throat> it's just been a hell of a week. I'm sorry. Anyway, we're coming off the heels of, you know, a lot of people are sick right now, actually. There, there was a leg of it, and then there's another leg of it, so seasonal illness kind of got a lot of people out of work. Tech layoffs, a lot of people out of work. And then there's media layoffs, a lot of people out of work. So this this is a pretty pretty rough time for a lot of people, a lot of a lot of not able to work and not working and the economy kind of being bum and so you need some perspective. So this is what I offer you. This is my offering for today. So like when you get punched in the face, you know, sometimes your eyes swell up. You know, like you get you know, you you get beat up. And, and the eyes swell up. And so your vision becomes very narrow to where all you see is your opponent directly in front of you. However, if you were able to open your eyes, you'd see the broad panoply of people that are outside of the ring. You'd see the people who support you and who are in your corner. You see those other people who are not in your corner, who are opposed to you. You can see clearly. But when that when your vision is that narrow, you know, everything looks like your opponent. So it's important to keep a right perspective. You might have to, to work harder to open your eyes. Do your do your due diligence and and kinda clear out a few things. You might have to get get the swelling down somehow just so you can open your eyes and see things clearly because it's not a fair fight at that point when you're when your vision is that narrow. Cuz you're in the fight. You know, you don't you don't get like that unless you're in the fight. So what I'm explaining to you is that you have to see all the people that are out there and, and all their, their, you know, I hate to use the word diverse because it's, it's kind of been a, you know, a term that's been put in the cheese grater. It just means that there's a bunch of different types of people out there and not all of them are one way or the other. You know, this categorization, this, you know, this prefabricated boxing of people based on demographic characteristics is really ruinous because people are more like watercolors. They just kind of bleed into other areas. They're not like one way. And I'm beginning to see something, or I need to articulate something new, is that there's a perspective out there that even if I work really, really hard and I do excellent work, I won't be rewarded properly because the world is unfair. And then people who would work harder and they would do more excellent work, just withdraw, and they say, okay, well, you know, I'll give them what they want. They want they want mediocrity and failure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just deliver what they want. 
And that's not really the, what's best for them, but it's what's being asked of them and required of them. Instead, you know, and then there are some some places in the world where basically mediocrity is treated as success, which is also kind of a kind of a head fake. You know, this, this, this below bar. And if you see anything or if you notice anything that is, that is really flawed about what they're doing, you know, that leads to a legitimate grievance or a health code violation or something like that, then, you know, if you bring it up and as a word of caution, like this is going to kill your business. This is, this is going to be a problem for you if you don't address it. Um, and then that by itself is treated as some kind of assault on their person. The fact that, that you are having a problem and it's not necessarily that the problem is a problem. It becomes, it becomes you. So this, this perspective of killing the messenger, this perspective, it's, it's low ball. It's someone who doesn't have, you know, it, they're so nearsighted. They can't see four inches in front of them. So that's a person with very limited vision. And you can't give that person glasses because they wouldn't take them. Everything is about this four inches in front of them, around them. So that is also about perspective. So what do you do if you get that kind of perspective and and you're kind of surrounded by people with, with narrow vision and limited perspective. Well, I mean, you just kind of have to kind of play to that, to, to within that perspective as, as best you can. It's a little tiny box and you just have to bring things in super close and show them, you know, what's necessary, you know, and, and, and they only want to hear good things. They only want to hear things that, that makes them feel safe. But, you know, we don't live in a world that's safe necessarily. So there are real problems and those people are, are weak, unfortunately. And they're, they're going to be limitations. But when you realize that your strengths exceed their personal limitations, that says something that's, that's, that's a communication. That's a communication from, from God in the universe that, you know, maybe, maybe you're destined for better things. And you know, the, the closing, the capture, the boxing, those are all narrowing, limiting, confining spaces to, to, to manage things so that people can be that visionless autocratic, um, concept to, to manage groups in a very uniparty type of way. And the thing is, is that when you have a free society, people are happier. They get to do what they need to do and what they want to do. So you get the juice from people's creativity, from people's joy. They start excelling and, and, and doing new paintings, so to speak. You know, you get to see new things. You, you enjoy new perspectives. Um, you know, there's different forms of competition and styles coming together and also clashing. 
so you're you're seeing uh co-competing styles and and what's great is that people who are onlookers they all benefit because there's a um there's a competition of perspectives and diversity and they they can come up with their own ideas and sometimes they come up with a completely different idea and so this is a creative thing that might be happening but when everybody is told here is here is your box you may must stay in it uh because that is what makes me feel safe as a leader um and it it is somewhat autocratic i just want to admonish you that this is this is actually a free society and when people are kind of duped seduced or kind of led into that box telling them how free they will be if they accept the money, take the trade off, do this or do that, you know, and then then they're not. That's that's what they call lying and sabotage. You know, maybe this is an opportunity. All of these layoffs and all of these all of this reorganization is an opportunity to to reorganize your whole perspective on on work on what's an opportunity and and what what makes a real future so if you're not if you weren't happy let, let's say you weren't happy being um ground down and told you know whatever color or race you are like this is what it's about cuz i mean a lot of people just stayed away from race because it was clutter. It cluttered the perspective. And then all they wanted to do was really focus on what they were doing and make sure that what they were doing in the job was helpful, accurate, you know, the, the, the right type of work. Is this the right type of work you want? Is the order being filled properly? Um, did you get this in, in on time? Those are the kind of like functional things that are happening. And those things were kind of delegated into this invisible space far away overseas where nobody, nobody can really see it except for someone called an outsourcing manager. And so the quality controls were, were kind of fished out to some Asian sweatshop and those people became like the executors of quality. So let's say there's a skill set that's in, in deprecation and deficit now because nobody's witnessing that unless you're in small business. You're not witnessing the developmental judgment. So people are, are completely and entirely dependent on the judgment of, you know, C-level psychotics in many cases. So let me let me broaden the perspective there is that we're we're putting AI in charge of everything. But AI is this math functional box. And unless, you know, why would you be afraid of AI taking over? Well, they're not human. What does that mean? It means that that the independent decision making referenced from whatever's fed into the to the language learning models, you know, is human, but it's it's humans that are somewhat sometimes flawed. They're scientific and math oriented. They're not necessarily creative. They're not necessarily people who enjoy the acculturation of a free society. 
they don't they don't marshal the perspectives of a free society. And then the perspective is important because whatever you feed that model in terms of information is what comes back. And, you know, people, of course, are the same way. People generate the technology that that trains on whatever you feed it. But the Internet is not a holistically positive place sometimes. It, It grabs onto what gets reaction rather than what is the most virtuous. So there's, there's, um, plus the deprecation of, of spirituality and religion in the world. Now people who are atheistic say, I don't need that. And that is fine. But if I put a picture of a unicorn in the middle of the room and, you know, we both don't necessarily need to agree that this is fiction. Okay. If I say that's a real unicorn and I believe that and the atheist doesn't believe that, then we can go on with our day. Now, if I actually believe in, say, a world religion like Jesus Christ or Christianity or uh, the Buddhas or the Shivas or whatever, whatever, and I put a picture of, of that in the middle of the room, and this suddenly gets some sort of reaction from the atheist, then there's something else going on. You know, they're offended that there is a belief. They're offended that they're not the center of the universe. They're offended that you have something that they don't. So I want you to look at that. And and that's what we're talking about here. Okay, if that was a picture of a unicorn or a dragon or centaur, something else, some fantasy character. And they, they would not have, you know, they would need that agreement from you that this is a false, uh, or a fantasy character. But in the event that you actually believe something is a faith in reality, this is, this is where they feel like it's outside of their control composite. They are not in control of what you believe. Vice versa, the people who have a faith don't have any control over the people who are the, of the atheists. So there is a deficit in the live and let live department. You know, I don't control that, but I, if I had my druthers, I wish people would just kind of, kind of slack it out or kind of give a little extra rope kind of in a way to kind of stay tethered because people need to be able to flex a little bit and try on new ideas, accept other people's realities so that they can kind of reframe their, their own kind of fit in their own clothes because we all have a relationship to the world. So I'm just going to get back to the, to the form of what I get through on, on the unsanctioned citizen. There's a lot of, the reason why this show evolved actually is because of, of the confining, uh, tightening spaces of what you can and can't say and getting completely cut off. Like, you know, you stick your head up, you get cut off for saying a thing. And then the next month the rules changed and then the the thing that could get you cut off would be something else entirely. So, so the rules are very off with your head. 
And you know something is really egregiously wrong if you live in a world where there's no tolerance for these small discrepancies in your life. Nobody wants to be run by a short-tempered, angry, psychotic person. And, you know, are people running companies really that way? There are personalities that, that are like that. But I'm beginning to observe a new truth or a new, new information. Let's just put it that way. New, new information that certain industries absorb more narcissistic psychopathy than others. Media is one of them. Government is another, unfortunately. Um, but the perspective, that perspective right there is, is quite narrow. You have to know what the the hazards, the occupational hazards are. Narcissistic personality disorder is an occupational hazard if you work in government. It's an occupational hazard if you work in acting, performance art, or media. So... Not everyone is like that, uh, but you will deal with it. You also will deal with a little histrionic personality disorder. So on occasion, you need to make a distinction because people influence each other. If someone's behaving or acting insidiously, emulating that behavior and thinking that that is how a successful person behaves is what's coercing the industries to become more sick, more inherently poisonous and sick. Nobody wants to work for a big baby tantrum-throwing psychotic who cuts people off, you know, for for saying, quote-unquote, the wrong thing. And the wrong thing could be anything. You know, what did I do? doesn't matter off of your head. So nobody, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to work with anybody like that, but they're out there and sometimes they're in charge. And that, that really is a, a, a suck reality. Um, you just have to believe intrinsically, like somewhere in that, that positive core place, you're meant for better things. You're meant for better Things. Your purpose on this earth is not to be a supplicant for sliding boxes and, and flying swords that can decapitate you at any moment for what you say. You know, there, there's got to be another reality other than that, that hell magicianscape where that is all you deal with. Because that, that's just not real. You know, you can't, you can't think you're going to bring in a person and, and make a living in that environment for, for longer than, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. Everybody's scary. You know, it, it would deprecate your, the joy of living. Like what, what would be the point? <laughs> what would be the point? So 
you know, navigating that much pure mental illness and, and living inside of a horror movie, because that's what that would be, you know, you can't do that forever. Living on high effort threat scape, threat vigilance is no way to go. That's why there's so much burnout in the cybersecurity field because the threats, constant threat monitoring gives you generalized anxiety and you're like, ah, can't do it. You will, you will overload and you'll get dead. So if you have to stay in that, let's just say you have to stay in it. You have to develop a, a, a personal resilience and one of the strengths of, say, strength of learning things in L.A. is that you just let people have their delusions sometimes. And what that means is in order to get through the day, if people are lying to themselves and they're also lying to you um, because they're delusional and they have the wrong idea about a thing, you kind of have to work work around the lie like they're telling the truth, which is terrible. That is the worst thing I'm telling you in the world, but you have to kind of work within someone's fantasy and then find your way to the, to the functional position through through that. And the way you do it is you just kind of you just kind of roll with it. And a lot of actors do this because they are working within a non-real fantasy scape. So someone presents you with something that is clearly and plainly not real. And people who are actors have no problem with that because there's, you know, they're actors, all the things that they are dealing with. They, they drink non-real water on stage and stand on non-real edges of non-real buildings and, and fly off of them. Like they're going to fly away because everything is Hollywood make believe. So if that's the construct of functionality, you can understand where I'm going with this, is that someone presents you with this absolutely non-real, completely fantastical thing, and you have to just kind of go with it a little bit, but you can't, you gotta be somewhere soon. You mean like, I gotta take a phone call in five minutes we really got to be careful and, and make this short, that kind of thing. So they're not taking up too much of your time or your day. If there's something functional you have to do with this person, whatever it is, make sure you get to the, to the, to the granular quick uh, and, then, and then be on your way. Because you're not going to avoid some mental illness in this particular time right now. You're just not. And I, I think most of us are going to endure crazy times with others. <laughs> I call it crazy time with others. I might even call, I might invent a seg segment called crazy time with others. <laughs> because, you know, if you think you're going to avoid dealing with crazy people right now, I think that that is something that you need to adjust on. Everybody's doing it just like everybody has to deal with toilet time. You're going to deal with crazy people. So I hate to be the one, I hate to be the one to, to, to 
deliver this bad news, but this is the absolute stone truth. So yeah, a lot of a lot of unemployment, a lot of uh, subpar employment <laughs> situations, a lot of a lot of finger wa- waving autocrats. They're getting fired, um, you know, and the, and there's just kind of like this rebalancing mix of the two. People are, are people who had built their little COVID careers on being, you know, good German Nazi recruits shaking their their fingers at you for being such a damn racist, sexist, whatever. You know, those people are getting flushed. Goodbye. And then, then there's this resurgence, you know, of unkindness that I'm seeing, which, you know, I'm like, so that's back. You know, it went away. Some of it went away and it was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, and and it was, it was from people who were really kind of tired of being atom bombed and blitzed with, you know, told told crazy things or they're being told crazy things like they're not being racist and they're being told that they're clearly racist because they walked in the building um with less than a tan that's weird i've never heard that you know you have to actually do something racist in order to to kind of earn it now they're they're back to the thing where they're just like they're lobbing out things that are that are profane and intentionally offensive and kind of being assholes about it and yeah, it's alienating, but I can walk away from it. Cause I did. I used to do that. I used to just, you know, like, uh, oh my God. You know, you don't have to stay in the elevator with the person who farted for too long. So you just get out of it. You're like, okay, you can have that crappy delusion. I'm going to go over here. So sometimes they need to be checked because, you know, the people who usually make those remarks are not in charge of anything at that moment. I think what bothered people about Donald Trump was that he was making those immature, emotionally immature remarks, irresponsible remarks, and he was in a public office position. Um, And the modeling was extremely insensitive and bad for public policy. And only after someone died in El Paso, he got the message. You can't do this in that high of an office. You know, this isn't The Apprentice. After that, he kind of chilled out. But unfortunately, he just didn't, he didn't get it. Until someone died, he didn't get it. That he was providing a model, and the people who embraced that really, really put the fault on the people who were innocent. Innocent people who did nothing. They, they got really vigilante about it, you know, and I'm not, I'm not one who, who studies. Ugh, this is gross. I'm not someone who goes out and, and studies like what Nazis do, even though it's on the history channel, like every other weekend, it's like, Hey, here's what's not, here's what Nazis did. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm like, we won that fight. Israel's a country. Let's get on with our lives, please. And, you know, of course, people keep wanting to, like, revisit that fight for some reason. Like, I don't care about this. 
But, you know, it, it's associated with something where they, they actually have this delusion that they can clear out other peoples on the earth, and then what? I always ask, you know, at the end of a genocide, there's the and then what? At the end of a genocide, the and then what is that they take the land, they take the stuff, and once there's no people there, they just kind of fill it up with their own people, supposedly. Not that their own people even wanted to be there in that land, that they identify with that land. Who wants to be there? For real. I mean, there were a lot of Chinese who were kind of forced to go to Tibet. This is, this is what's going on right now. There's a lot of Chinese who were forced to go to, to Tibet that didn't want to be there. They were there because they were instructed by the Chinese government. You know, that's not their... And maybe they were there because they were really, really, really Chinese. And I think if they had a position or a, a, a want to do, they would never raise their hand and go, Hey, send me to Tibet. Because I'm super Han. No, they'd be like, No, dude, I want to be here in mainland. And, you know, screw those people. They can just be up in their dry mountain. I don't care. So there's there's a point when it becomes like, uh, you know, you're moving people around who don't want to be moved around. And you're moving people who shouldn't be there, don't want to be there to, to places where they don't want to go. People who are there don't want them there. They don't want, want them to be there. And then they're, everybody is kind of constantly chafing against one, one another in a way that's that's kind of involuntary. Good things can come from it, but at the outset, it's just like, why are we sandpapering people together this way? Why? Why are we sandpapering? Why are we forcing it? Because there's, there's this kind of delusion that, you know, of some sort of antecedent superiority through war that this will automatically change the composite populations of the earth and all those error people will be gone and that is one of the most infantile beliefs you know that will be with us uh, i think in perpetuity because it never seems to ever really get adjusted we're constantly dealing with genocide we're constantly dealing with you know imperial and war uh war aims you know they're they're filtered but it's land and tribute it all boils down to land and tribute. Anybody who's trying to wipe another population off the planet and clear the area because they're inconvenient um, is on the game of land and tribute. And, you know, there's an amorality to that. It's like theft. You know, you're not content with what you have. You're not content with, you know, what God gave you. And you're not, you're not content to grow the parameters. You have to aggress against another population, manufacture, you know, a, a, a serial grievance that will go on for generations because you cut this, this people off. You know, why bother? Why don't you grow and prosper the population that you have? 
Maybe because that's not their talent. So people who are less than talented in growing and prospering and flowering societies want to go commit war because it's easier. They think it's easier. So I, 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 I'm explaining things that maybe people have thought about. Maybe you haven't thought about it. But the benefit of having a voice that is going out over the air in some, into some people's ears is that I get to, to expand on concepts that have been put into these relativistic boxes. Boxes. <laughs> boxes. And, you know, I'm sure there will be somebody out there that says, You're a and anti-Shamite. You know, and, and I'm... You know, God put all the Semitic peoples on the earth. Don't make me responsible for them. I don't I don't want to deal with any of this. I'm not going to say this isn't my problem. But because like there's there's tax money that's getting raked out of this. But if you think I am the person who's sh- sh- calling the shots on the on the military budgets, you're aiming your guns at the wrong person. You know, they're not calling me into a room saying, hey, Sheila, what we should, what we should we do? You know, and, and I'm thinking, hello, border, border, U.S.-Mexico border. You know, that that's what's on my plate. I could, I could care so much less what's going on in Ukraine or anywhere else on the planet because there is a threat on my doorstep domestically. I don't care. Because no one in Ukraine is going to come over here and, and malign and take from me when they're in whatever they're doing. You know, and, and no, I, I, I fully expect no one from Israel to come over here and try to grab me by the throat and tell me what to do. If that's happening, that's, that's a weird universe. I don't want that. So, I mean, it's the same as the U.S.-Mexico border at, the, at that point. But, but none of those things are happening. These are all hypotheticals. None of those things are happening. But the U.S.-Mexico conflict at the border, that's happening. The gaslighting of the enforcement, that's happening. You know, telling me I'm racist and and putting me into a special box where my employment prospects may or may not be deprecated based on on a, a hidden credit score shared secretly with other employers who may or may not care about the score. That's something that's out there. So I just want to live in a, in a more free place. I want everybody to have more freedom and, and to be free, be free to, to discard ideas that you don't agree with and move on to be with populations and idea generation that you do coordinate with better (sighs) direct conflict is not always good when it's dragged out and dragged out so those are my thoughts i hope they enrich your life today it's not necessarily about ai and ai generation (laughs) i brought some of that into there um but one of the things that came up in the discussions this week and then i'll wrap it with this is that if you're CEO was an AI, would they be different from what you've experienced in the last two years? 
if you could drop something in the comments section, that would really be helpful because these editorial robots that have just taken their, their step and fetch it orders from Intel uh, memos on, you know, here is what the hate speech is. Here is what the hate speech is not. Here's what it is today. Here is today's memo on disinformation. Here is today's memo on malinformation. Here's the information, the, the, the malinformation is stuff we don't like. Just don't let it get out there. Can you embargo this? Can you can you shut these little little people down? Can you tell them how bad they are for thinking that thought? It doesn't obey the arbitrary aims of the intelligence state today. These 10 minutes. That'll change on Tuesday, but right now you need to punish them bad. So, I mean, people who work for the government for free that way, while they were on, say, the LA Times payroll, I don't care really what happens to them. But reporters who did good faith effort, like Nutgraph, you know, reported on City Hall, that kind of thing, and they, they were replaced by AI... I think we're turning a corner we don't really want to go down because that's going to happen to other people in news. So the only place you're going to get authenticated human news by real reporters who did research and went out there, they didn't check in with government first, meaning they, they just didn't check in with government first. Those Or, or a computing orifice. They didn't run it through like a an AI before they published the Substack, <laughs> Substack, Rumble. Um, those they're narrowing. They're getting fewer and fewer and fewer. But those are your opportunities and not your opponents. So, if I had to reference places where the the news perspective is expansionistic versus reductive, and you know, cornered. A little box, I would say, Substack. So, refer other people to Liberty in many directions, and I hope that this will expand your perspective. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you have a, a wonderful and spectacular experience in this next coming week. Stay optimistic, stay well, and remember everyone has power, especially you. <laughs>